0: you've heard me say before that when the time I spent in seminary, which Brother Chris is uh, as well at Holy Apostles now, and I said at the time I spent at the seminary of Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C., and and Holy Apostles, that the stuff that I learned, I was just so absolutely amazed. I I remember asking the Lord if, if his will was for me to be ordained a priest, that I would do whatever I could to share everything that I could remember and notes I took from seminary to be able to share with those who aren't able to actually go to seminary. And, and, and this has been a blessing for me. And, and from time to time, these memories pop into my head. And one of the ones that I remember well was in one of my scripture classes, the, the priest who was teaching us the class asked Who is John John the Baptist to you? What does he mean to you? And nobody answered. And he said, how significant is John the Baptist in your prayer life, in your personal life? How much do you turn or do you even pray to John the Baptist? Nobody answered. And then he went on to say that really in, in an essence, He's the first saint. Now, we don't, I mean, all of the great souls that have entered into heaven are saints, but we don't usually say St. Moses or St. David. We don't normally say that. We normally usher in that with the time of Christ. And the interesting thing about John the Baptist is he um, is the greatest of the prophets of the Old Testament, but yet he now has opened the door to the New Testament, Um, He is the nearest to Christ. He received the unique mission, this being John the Baptist, of actually seeing and pointing out the Messiah, where all the prophets of the Old Testament just promised him. And so this is what our instructor went on to teach us, is the fact that still he belongs to the time of only a promise, the Old Testament, where work was still to be done, but yet now he's part of the New Testament as Christ enters onto earth. So once Christ opens this door, we're now into the New Testament. And those who faithfully accept God's gift and grace are greater than any of the righteous of the Old Testament. This is fascinating. That, that, that accepting this gift of grace, you are greater than any of the righteous of the old covenant who were given not grace, but just a promise. We are now given the grace. So, brother just read about Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ that God would not forget his bride, Israel. God the Father. Here we're talking about God the Father. God the Father promised to restore them because of his love of the covenant he made with them in the Old Testament. Who's the link? John the Baptist. Now, through the ministry of the Baptist, we see the beginning of this restoration. What restoration, the the instructor said? The restoration of God the Father calling back his bride Israel. So John announces all of this, the coming of the promised Messiah. Jesus is that promise that God the Father made to bring back his wayward bride. You know, Scott Hahn has a great book. He's a good friend of our Marian community called A Father Who Keeps His Promises. And this is about God the Father. You know, God the Father is so critically important that You know, we always talk about Satan's hatred for Mary and for Christ, and um, I've spoken on that. But we never really think about Satan's hatred for God the Father, who really is behind everything. And um, when Father Kaz and I were doing, years ago, the very first filming for Divine Mercy Matters, we traveled up to Wisconsin with Drew Mariani, who is the relevant radio show host, very great man, great show. And so Joe Mariani um, wanted us to come up and film in his studios up there this Divine Mercy Matters series. So I had never done a filming before. It's like one of the first filmings I had done. And so they wanted to write up a script to be able, for Father Kaz and I to be able to read about Divine Mercy Matters. Now, of course, Divine Mercy goes back to God the Father. So I write the script, and Father Kaz is reading it, and he's in front of the camera, and he's reading it, and he doesn't say, God the Father. And so I kind of looked, and then Father Kaz keeps reading and reading, and he gets down to the next part, and he doesn't say, God the Father. So finally, I stop, and I say, Father Kaz, we're missing the the part of God the Father. He goes, there's no God the Father on the screen that was being uh, projected from the the laptop which we had written out the words everywhere the word god the father was deleted from the screen and drew miriani looked at that and he looked and he said there's no god the father on the teleprompter but when we went back to the original file god the father was there God the Father, the name, God the Father was in the file, was on the Word, was in the, was in the description of what we were, we were teaching. Father Kaz looked at that. I don't see Father Kaz get too excited about too many things. And I mean, I don't mean excited in a good way. Excited in the fact that he was recognizing that the work that was being done of okay. divine mercy was so hated by Satan. Satan does have control over technology. He does have that control. And as Father Cass was reading the words, we could not believe it. It was a brand new camera. He had two cameras, brand new. Drew Mariani tested it the, that morning, and the camera didn't work. The camera completely did not work. We had to use one camera instead of two. The brand new one he bought did not work. And everywhere God the Father appeared in, in the document, it didn't show up on the screen. And Father Kaz was saying, that's how much Satan hates God the Father. Why? Because it is God the Father who is gonna restore and bring back his wayward bride, Israel, the church now, us, through the promise of a savior. And that promise was announced by John the Baptist. That promise was first seen by John the Baptist. So that's why John the Baptist is greater Jesus had said. Because he was the last of the Old Testament prophets and the only one of them to see Jesus, actually see him. But he was less, Baptist, John the Baptist is less than any of those who will be in heaven with the grace of the New Testament in a way because he died before experiencing the fullness of Christ's love on the cross. You have more grace than John the Baptist did in this Mass. And people don't even have time to come to Mass. People don't even desire to come to Mass. People don't even wanna come to Mass. And you have in this Mass more grace than John the Baptist. He died prior to Christ's fullness and fulfillment on the cross. He was like Moses, who died before entering the Holy Land. Now that doesn't mean he's not gonna have heaven, he will. He does. He's a saint, but he pointed the way, John the Baptist, to John the Baptist. He pointed to greatness, a a way to greatness that others after him um, would enter, but not himself. So he basically is pointing the way to greatness, even though he didn't get to go. He did not experience Christ on the cross. So even the most humble Christian even the most humble person can know more about Jesus than the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. It's amazing. You have more grace, and yet we we waste it. You know, it's 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 so amazing because even the most even the most basic Christian can know more about Jesus than the least of the old te- or the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. Even the most simple Christian. You know more about Jesus than even the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, even though they talked about him and prophesied him. Now, why did so many here, um, including sinners, submit to John's baptism of repentance? What is John doing here? What is John talking about? The baptism, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they were being baptized. Um, John acknowledged their sins. this is a baptism of repentance. Why? Why did they accept it? They recognized that God had given John as a minister to reconcile them with God. His job was to reconcile them with God. The world needed to repent before receiving Christ. Why do you think the baptisms were the first things in the scriptures? Why does the New Testament open with Christ's public ministry with John the Baptist and baptisms. Because you and the world, the world had to repent before receiving Christ. God was offering new life, restoration, forgiveness to all who repented in their hearts to receive Christ who is now coming. Now this was done through baptism. And you know what? Everybody was being baptized with John. Not just adults. They know for a fact children were there. Infants were included. Not baptizing, you've heard me say this, not baptizing our babies is the reason the world is in the mess that it is. I cannot emphasize this enough. Please don't wait for your children to be 18. First of all, they won't do it. Secondly, is because you don't want your child living with the stain of sin until they are 18. And and, and third of all, baptism is what brings us into the family of God. You didn't have your child wait till they were 18 before they became a member of your family. You've heard me say this. In the Old Testament, if a... Okay, here's to me one of the most fascinating things I learned in seminary about infant baptism. I'm going to share it with you. People always say infant baptism is not in the Bible, and therefore you Catholics are not going against... or you're you're going against what the bible says in infant uh, baptizing children that same class that i had in scripture we talked about baptism of infants and here's one of the most fascinating things i ever heard about why infant baptism is is real and good and, and fitting now in the old testament if a man became a jew he had to believe in the god of israel and be circumcised. Okay? Then in the New Testament, if a person wanted to become a Christian, they had to believe in Jesus and be baptized. Now, those born as Jews were circumcised in anticipation of the Jewish faith that they would grow up in. And likewise, those born into Christian households were baptized in anticipation of the Christian faith that they would be brought up in. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, Paul says baptism has replaced circumcision. Why is this important? Because usually only infants were circumcised under the old law. Now, circumcision of adults was very rare. Almost always circumcision in the old law was done on infants. So here comes Paul and says baptism has replaced circumcision. So, if Paul meant to exclude infants, He would have never used circumcision as a comparison to baptism. Never. Paul would never have said and compared baptism to circumcision if he did not intend to baptize infants because circumcision was done on infants and if baptism has replaced circumcision as it tells us in Colossians 2 verse 11 and 12 then you must do it on infants. I have no idea why there is such a hatred, an absolute outright disdain amongst fellow Christians of baptizing infants. Why would anyone want your children to grow up in sin? Baffling to me. And then it's also in the Bible. How about Acts chapter 16, verse 33? The Philippian jailer whom Paul and Silas had converted we are told that quote the same hour of the night he was baptized with all of his family all of your family includes children paul also let's go to first corinthians chapter 1 verse 16 paul said i did baptize also the entire household of stephanus and my favorite acts 2 verse 38 and 39 Peter declared, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and your children. So who's scriptural here? The Catholics? Yeah, the Catholics are scriptural. Baptism for the infants is what is destroying this world. The lack of it, not doing it. The failure of us to baptize our children. I go all over the country, I talk to priests. I talked to a priest recently and he gave me, he says, you know, Father, when I started at this parish, we had over 200 to 300 baptisms and weddings a year. Last year, we had six. People aren't even getting married in the church. And the baptism not being done on our infants and our children or at all is the reason we're in this mess. So, why is it important? Baptism wipes away sin and punishment. And after that, if you fall, go to confession. A good confession. You know, a good confession for our sins during Advent, strongly recommended. You all know the church teaches we gotta go to confession at least once a year. Many people do it during Lent. I think that's great monthly. Go, go to confession monthly. Some people, like John Paul, went weekly. Some people, like Mother Teresa, went daily. So, if nothing else, at least try to go during Advent and Lent. It's a beautiful time to be re-cleansed because the baptism that gives us forgiveness of sin and punishment. If we later mess up, which we all will, we can get cleaned back up again in confession. This is the sacraments and the gift of grace that God gave us and really in a way was ushered in by John the Baptist. So in my seminary class, what does John the Baptist mean to you? I think you could see very much important very important figure in the church and hopefully in our lives, because he brought Christ, pointed out Christ, and wakened us to the need to repent and to be cleansed. He did it by water. Christ does it by water in the spirit. And so praise be to God for the gift we have in the sacraments.
1: Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton. Of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts and imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you.
2: Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit Dot .org That's micprayers.org Thank you and God bless you